This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, welcome to Friday night's Twilight Show with me, Maxine Howes. I'm here for the next 90 minutes for the well-being wind down into the weekend, talking all things well-being, picking up on the Teacher Wellbeing Index and talking to Claire, assistant head teacher, with that most important responsibility of all, for well-being of staff and pupils. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And hello, it's a real privilege to be here again this evening for tonight's Twilight Show. We're talking all things well-being, um, thinking about well-being for staff, for teachers, for support staff, for admin and business staff, for school leaders, and how that impacts on pupils, what we need to do ourselves, what needs to be done at a system, at a national level, um, and not just anything really about well-being. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love you to call in and talk about your views about well-being. So, This evening, we're going to start off by talking about the recently published Teacher Wellbeing Index, an annual piece of research published by Education Support. And and I'm going to be using that to have a look at their key findings. What are the key findings about the well-being of those really important adults who work in our schools these days, the teachers, the support staff, the school leaders? What are the findings and what are the implications for them and for the school and for the students? And then I'm going to be using their findings and recommendations to consider what's needed at a national, local and school level to help improve the well-being of all of those employees and for the whole of the school community. So that's the first part. The next part, we're really pleased to be hearing from Claire. Claire, we've met before on um, the Friday Night Twilight Show. We met Claire and her colleagues when we talked about um, alternative provisions a couple of weeks ago. And Claire was actually my very first guest back in April. And Claire, at the time, back in April, had just started at the Academy of Central Bedfordshire as assistant head teacher for with responsibility for well-being. So really pleased that Claire's going to join us tonight to update us on the wellbeing strategy and learning what's what's gone well and what, what she learns about what's maybe not gone so well. Hello, Claire. Great to hear you. I see you're here already. That's fantastic. And to hear about what Claire's next plans are going to be. And finally, um, I'm going to end this evening by just having a think about what we can do ourselves as teachers and school leaders to enable us to thrive in our challenging roles and the things that we can do to help ourselves and I think the thing is is it's not just about us looking after ourselves it is much bigger than that there is some you know clearly from the research we're going to look at there are some significant national changes needed but I still think it's really important to end this evening this evening's well-being wind down into the weekend by just having a think again about what what we can do and I'd love to hear from you I'd love to hear what you do and what helps you so three parts to, to this evening's show then overall. So I'm going to start um, by going to 
the Teacher Wellbeing Index, published only in the last week or so. And again, we'll talk about this a little bit in the second part when we pick up and we talk to Claire and see how the findings of that teacher wellbeing index and see also how not just the findings, but also the recommendations. How do they cross over with what Claire's doing at the ACB? So so listen in. And, and if there's, there's anybody else who's listening who's out there who would like to join in and tell us about their views on really, really effective wellbeing strategies or their experiences, we'd love to hear from you. So Teacher Wellbeing Index is, is produced annually um, by a group called Education Support, and it's the seventh annual report. It's the result of just over 3,000 survey responses drawn from a panel of people who signed up to um, participate in research with YouGov. And the survey was done in 2023, so early, between 27th of June and 27th of July. So fairly significant number of people there. The data has been weighted. So there's all sorts of fancy statistical stuff being done with it. It's been weighted to make it representative of the wider education population by phase, organisation type, respondent age, and to ensure that generalisations can be made with the wider education population. Education Support are a charity, and on their website, their, their big claim, um, hi Carlos, are we are the only UK charity dedicated to supporting the mental health and well-being of teachers and education staff in schools, colleges and universities. Checking on their websites are really, you know, there's lots of really interesting things on there, actually. They have a helpline offering free um, emotional support that anyone can access and also online support. And there is a commercial side as well as them being a charity and um, looking out for donations. There's a, there is a, a commercial side with their employee assistance program that schools can buy into. They also do a, quite a wide range of research in the, the area of well-being, which I think is really interesting. Not just the, the TWIX, the Teachers' Wellbeing Index, which I really like that it's abbreviated to TWIX. I think that's a great abbreviation. But also uh, some broader well-being related research based on employees in particular sectors. So specific research about business leaders in schools, middle leaders, and, and a really interesting piece as well about teachers from ethnic minorities. So a little bit of background there to the employee, um, so to the Teacher Wellbeing Index and, and education support who found it. Overall, the findings um, and the reading that you'll find in the, the Teacher Wellbeing Index, and the, these have been shared and commented on across Twitter fairly heavily, are really not very positive. And they, they present a, a pretty horrendous picture, actually, of the, the state of well-being in Britain's schools. And, and it, it doesn't feel very optimistic, I must say. And, and it does really overall shout that there is a need, A, for some significant change at, at national level and, and in some cases at, at local structural system level. Um, but while we're waiting for that to come, those, that's why I want to finish the show with, with some of those really important things that we can do ourselves. And also why it's really important that Claire's here this evening to talk about what she's doing and what her school are doing and to give us a little bit of a view on that. So anyway, first into some of the findings of this research. 
research shows is that 78% of teachers who responded or 78% of teachers and 90% of school leaders report to be feeling stressed and saying that they're experiencing significant stress. And that's an increase on 2022. So at a time when we thought that things might be returning back to normal, whatever normal may be, after the, the COVID pandemic, it seems that that's not the case. And, and overall, the research for 2023 shows a, a picture that is worse in terms of, of well-being for, for all school staff compared to 22 and, and um, compared overall actually since 2019. So things have continued to get worse. Highest percentages of stress were found to be in primary schools. And I think that, you know, that is really interesting about some of the pressures in particular schools and, and secondary colleagues may make assumptions about primary schools. But I think it's important to note there some of those significant stresses that, that exist teaching some of those those younger children um, and again showing primary to be the, the place where the highest levels of stress are resort, um, are reported. 55%, so just over half of all staff, consider that their organisation's culture has a negative effect on their well-being. And that's quite a big increase from 22. That, that's 13% increase on 2022. Only 22%, so just over one in five, said that their institution's organisation culture actually has a positive effect on their well-being. And again, that really gives a big call to school leaders and I think presents and this, this comes later on in the summary it does show quite what a what pressure schools are under nationally and how hard it is to create that really positive culture that is beneficial to to employees well-being because I don't you know speaking as a as, as a current school leader, and you know, I do still work supporting a leadership team that's albeit um, not involved in doing that full, full time anymore. Um, but being an ex head teacher, there's no head teacher and no school leader who goes out deliberately to create a culture that is not beneficial to people's well being. So it is really interesting and shows the level of some of those national, some of those wider pressures. Maybe shows some leaders not getting it right. But for that, percentage of people to be saying that, that culture is affecting them negatively, I think is a huge concern. And this next one, in a, in a day and age where we say a lot, it's okay not to be okay. And there are places where we can signpost support for mental health. It, it, it still is an area that is under-resourced and, and there is a lack of support, but that there are places where we, we can seek that support. 46% of staff say organisations do not support employees who have mental health and wellbeing problems. And I find that a huge concern because any form of ill health, whether it be mental or physical, people deserve to be really supportive. So that's a really, really unfortunate statistic and, and one that I think we need to challenge and anybody who is is running schools who's involved needs to have a think what pressures what what are preventing them from doing that or is it a perception I don't know I'd be really interested to hear from people about what what you think the next statistics are really really clear and very very concerning 81% of all school staff um, based on this you know fairly 
broad survey of 3,000 responses last um, between 27th of June and 27th of July in 2023, 81% of all staff said they experienced negative symptoms due to their work. And that was slightly higher for senior leaders. That was at 84% of senior leaders saying they experienced symptoms due to their work and 82% of teachers. 51% said that they experienced difficulty sleeping and 55% that figure for senior leaders. So more than half of senior leaders, more than half of, of actually of all staff in schools are saying that they're experiencing insomnia. Now, we all know about the negative effects of poor sleep and how fundamental sleep is to our physical and mental well-being. And being kept awake at night due to your work, experiencing insomnia is a huge concern. So no surprising, no surprises there and possibly slightly related. And a, another significant symptom is that 48% said that they experienced irritability or mood swings. And that rose to 52% for senior leaders. 41% reported having difficulty concentrating and 43% um, of senior leaders said they were finding it difficult to concentrate. Now, I've picked those particular um, symptoms and those, those particular statistics just to have a think about there. So if we've got half of over half of our school leaders and, and half of our school staff struggling to sleep, around half or more than half for senior leaders being irritable and um, almost half struggling to concentrate. You think about the things that it takes to run an effective school and think about what it takes to teach lessons effectively, to have proper pastoral care for students, to be able to come up with the really clear and detailed plans that are needed to continue to drive school improvement and to be a great school. You need people who are sleeping, who aren't irritable, who are able to concentrate. So these statistics, the, the, the people behind them and the problems behind them are, in my opinion, presenting real barriers to school improvement. I'll be interested when we, when we come on and we talk to Claire in a little while. Um, are we, where wellbeing strategies working, where things are going well, are you seeing less irritability? Are you seeing better concentration? Are you feeling that yourself from when you're in there or when things are working? Are those things you're using to judge? I know it's early days, Claire, but they're, they're some things that I think are really, really important for us to think about. So moving on a little bit, 39% of all staff say they've experienced a mental health issue in the past academic year. For school teachers, that's higher at 41% and, and for senior leaders, a little bit lower at 37%. That's a huge concern. So 41%, was that two in, uh, two, um, yeah, two in five, here's me trying to do my basic maths. That's a real, that's a significant number of, of staff that are, are really suffering and feeling that they've, they've been mentally, and uh, they've, they've experienced a mental health issue. 45% of those felt that they either felt they either self-diagnosed or had had diagnosed or had been told that their symptoms were of anxiety. 
And 45% of education staff saying that they believe their sim the symptoms that they've experienced were anxiety. That compares to 33% in the general population, um, according to the Office of National Statistics for 2023. That's a real, real concern. 34% of school staff are reporting feeling exhausted in that survey. And it, it was coming towards the end of, of a long academic year, a long, long term. But that's a 4% increase in um, on 2022. 34%, over a third of all school staff, and it was highest among school teachers, those in the classroom at the, at the chalk face, feeling and feeling absolutely exhausted. The next one is is really worrying and this this is something that I did experience myself as a head teacher um, after a long period of time leading a school through the pandemic. One of the, the most horrible things I think to, to experience is burnout and 35% of staff believed or advised that the symptoms that they had were signs of burnout. Now, burnout is um, actually designed, is actually designated by the World Health Organization as a condition. And it's a condition where people have faced continual stresses over a period of time and have become completely mentally exhausted. And that figure has increased from 2022 um, and is the highest amongst senior leaders that point there of burnout, a real, real concern. 28%, so just under a third, thought that their symptoms could be or were diagnosed or advised that their symptoms were depression. And that 28% compares to 16% as of the population as a whole, according to the Office of National Statistics. And that was the highest among support staff and teachers the most likely to be suffering from depression. The Teacher Wellbeing Index then also um, calculates wellbeing scores on the Warwick Edinburgh Mental Wellbeing Scale. And this, this is something, again, that, that can be applied and, and takes a number of different questions and, and analyzes that data and produces a score. Anyone scoring between 40 and 5 would be considered at high risk of psychological distress and increased risk of depression. A score of below 40 shows that an individual could be at risk of major depression. So in 2023, the overall school workforce was scored at 43.65. So that's right in the middle of that bracket that's considered to be at high risk of psychological distress. And that was the lowest recorded um, for the whole workforce in the last five years. Teachers were the lowest for the last five years. Some improvement in, from 2019 to 20 and um, also some improvement from 21 to 22, but well below where they were in 2019 and 2022. Another factor, 11% of all school staff and, and 38 13% of senior leaders say that they experience both burnout and isolation. And as we know, social relationships at work and personally are such a crucial protective factor to protect mental health. 
and also to protect from suicide, which obviously is, is something that will be deeply concerned, deeply concerning. So the report states we are deeply concerned about that population, that 11% of all staff or 13% of senior leaders that experience both loneliness and acute stress and or burnout, because the combination of those factors actually points to an elevated mental health risk up to and including an indicative elevated suicide factor. And as at least 6% of senior leaders and 5% of all staff experience acute stress and or burnout and loneliness, that is a huge concern. And, and at that point, the, um, the, the, the organisation, Education Support, are highlighting their helpline 08000 and saying, give that number a call if you are experiencing acute stress and or burning out and loneliness. And that's someone to talk to. So causes of, of that stress. Again, school culture is sometimes cited. National issues are cited. And the inspection system is heavily cited. 73% of staff consider that inspections are not fit for purpose. And 71% of staff consider that inspections negatively impact their mental health and well-being. Now, if that's 71% of, of all staff and the current system should be um, you know, it de describes itself as relatively light touch, as checking in, there's something going seriously wrong there. But I think that could be a whole show on itself to talk about um, the inspection system and the dangers of, of Ofsted. So the conclusions before we move on and we invite Claire to join us. So these are the conclusions of the report. Workforce well-being is poor and continues to decline. There are specific cohorts who are at risk of suicide. School and college leader mental health and well-being is a serious concern. And what we know about the impact of school leaders on their whole organisation, they hold such a pivotal role that their well-being and their mental health, if not positive, can have such an impact on the whole school community. Teacher well-being has declined significantly over the past year. And school and college staff have little trust in the inspection system. Organisational culture is also cited as a problem for more than half of the workforce. And um, I'm really, you know, I think I think this is a fair conclusion as well. This next little bit um, that, that whilst school leaders do hold responsibility for some of those cultural issues and, and how things operate within their own schools. It's the conclusion is that the lack of, lack of capacity in wider public services beyond schools, the increase in children and young people experiencing uh, problems in the population, it's some of those wider national issues that are creating some of those organisation um, organisational problems. And again, it also flags up a sixth of educational staff feeling isolated at work. And particularly concerning is that that's especially educators from a global majority background. So the report then moves on to talk about some recommendations. And first of all, 
they say that all education departments must develop a coherent strategy to improve the education work, the, the well-being of the education workforce. So national workload initiatives across the UK are okay, but it must go further. There must be nationally a coherent and fully funded strategy to maintain the well-being and attractiveness of the, of the profession. To address the staff attrition crisis, which is a particular problem in England, as well as the health outcomes of those working in the sector now and in the future. So a call for some major national changes across the whole of, of the United Kingdom. They also say that suicide prevention must be prioritised and urgent work is required to reduce the levels of stress, burnout and loneliness across the education workforce. And this is a national, national cause. Protective strategies that support collegiality and professional, professionalism should be available to all educators. So a real big call for national campaign, positive campaign to raise the awareness of mental health risks and reduce the stigma associated with seeking help should be targeted at the education workforce. The third call is a call to overhaul the inspection system. And again, I think that is a whole show in itself. Um, work is required to improve the trust, legitimacy and perceived fairness and consistency of the system. Next, I think this is really interesting. And again, I think Claire will talk to us much more about this, but um, we must invest in soft leadership skills. So when we're training our sector leaders, um, you know, our MPQs and our leadership training for, for education leaders. What we also need to think about are the social, emotional and behavioural skills that matter so much for organisational cultures. So it's not just around systems, structures and processes. It's around those soft skills. And again, um, instead of prioritising technical skills, we need to think about making sure our leaders are equipped to lead, th lead teams through challenging times. Number five, funding settlement that matches the current demands on schools. Again, I think we could have a whole show on that. Paul, last, um, last time, two weeks ago, talking about funding for AP. All school leaders, I think, are calling for a decent funding settlement that, that means that schools have got a sporting chance of doing what they need to do. And added to that, the wider ecosystem of public services must also be properly funded. So again, teaching and schools tend to form such important roles and tend to actually take on roles where other really superb public services just can't cope anymore because they're also underfunded and also understretched. A review of the framework as well. And again, that links to those soft skills and it links to making sure that educators are really well prepared. Um, thinking about the MPQs, about the national professional qualifications for leadership, Think and change those to reflect the new reality of life in schools. Now, I'd certainly certainly agree that the MPQs have come a long way. I, I'm, I coach and facilitate the MPQs, and I, I also um, am really fortunate to be a mentor on the um, early career framework. And I think lots have great strengths. But again, 
I would really, really welcome more emphasis on some of the realities of, of what, what modern day leadership is, is about and some of those softer skills, again, receiving more and more emphasis. That's just my view. So there we have the conclusions of the Teacher Wellbeing Index that sadly really quite negative, quite um, concerning outcomes um, from that result showing a decline in mental health and well-being of, of people in the of employees in the sector. And those those call for changes, some national changes around funding, around training. So I shall leave it there and we'll hear briefly from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Claire um, to hear all about her experiences leading well-being at an alternate provision. Here's a word from our sponsors first. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. So great to hear from our sponsors there. Um, Canvas have really great experience with with working with the the MPQs and um, and with the ECF. And I was absolutely thrilled to um, be able to get read a John Cat book. And I, I talked about that a few weeks ago when I was talking about equity in education um, when we were talking about um, disadvantaged students or as um, as they're described in, in that excellent read, Equity in Education, um, Under-Resourced Learners. Um, so anyway, back to tonight's topic, back to well-being. And in the first third of the show this evening, we we talked or I, I talked all around the Teacher Wellbeing Index, the, the key findings, that really concerning picture of declining um, health and mental health and well-being for school staff and for school leaders 
for teachers and for support staff in schools. And, and some of those suggestions, some of those calls to action, so the, the national changes, the, the suicide prevention being prioritised, the overhaul of the inspection system, which we agreed is a whole show on its own, investing in soft leadership scheme, in soft leadership skills and supporting sector leaders to really develop high quality social, emotional and behavioural skills that matter so much for organisational cultures. Funding settlement that matches the current demand on schools, the wider ecosystem of, of public services to also be properly funded so that there's less continued impact on schools and a review of the training frameworks to reflect the current reality of, of educators' lives and to really bring mental health and well-being to the centre of that. So some really strong suggestions there. And what I'm really, really privileged to do now is to, to invite Claire to join us. Claire, we've met before. Claire was, was here on my very first show. And Claire joined us to talk about the wellbeing strategies that she was beginning to implement at an alternative provision. So, so straight away, quite a challenging environment, a wonderful, and, and having visited, and if you were um, listening to the show a couple of weeks ago and hearing the passion that those school leaders speak about their wonderful setting with, but even so, quite a challenging environment. So an interesting decision to make a promoted post at assistant head level entirely focused on well-being. The two deputies one on quality of ed, one on behaviour and attitudes, and an assistant head on personal development. And again, you might have heard or you might recognise where those titles come from. And to have a fourth focused on well-being. Welcome, Claire. Thank you again for joining us this evening. How are you? Hi, Maxine. I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. So knowing that spaniels are central to your own personal well-being <laughs> strategy, are we, are we likely to get any spaniel squeaks on this evening? I do hope so. Uh, possibly, because I'm currently sandwiched by them. When you decide. Well, if, if they would like to comment on, on their role in, in well-being, because I, <laughs> I, I do think they have a role, um, then, then I'd, we'd love to hear from them too. So... I've, I've invited you in, Claire, this evening, and I'm really, really pleased you're here. And it was great to hear from you and your colleagues at the, the alternative provision, alternative provision, a couple of weeks ago, and you know some of the excellent work you're doing with some of the most challenging and vulnerable learners um, in in the whole of Bedfordshire. Um, so. You've heard my my ramblings this evening and my my talking inspired to talk about um, the um, the Twix, the Teacher Wellbeing Index, about the findings of it and also those recommendations. So what I'm going to ask you to do, and, and we, we talked about this a bit earlier, is to just mm. talk about how that sits and, and whether you've seen any any evidence of that or whether that sits right with what you're seeing in your own school and, and the other schools that you're possibly linked with. Definitely seeing that across, yeah, not just our school, but it is the referring schools and others as well. And it just seems to me like people have got so much on their plate from work that when there's other things then happen, because life happens, their bandwidth is so narrow 
it makes it really hard and then it just kind of has a compounding effect and it goes round and round um so from my point of view it's been looking at how we can support staff where that's already happened but we know that prevention is better than cure so what can we do um to try and get in there first really before anything does kind of take hold or get more serious Okay, so at a system level then, at a, at a school level, you're trying to put in place some proactive strategies to support well-being before something goes wrong, so you're not just being reactive. Yeah, that's right. So we do have some day-to-day things, so like lots of schools now, we have the employee assistance programme. Um, literally, as of this week, got a member of staff halfway through their mental health first aid training um okay. they'll be they'll be based on the Stockfold site or they are based on the Stockfold site they're already with us um with the idea to grow that across our other site um at kingston but yeah looking at right back to the beginning you know not not just our staff but our students and where are we getting the students from are we getting i don't like the phrase the right students but where they're being referred to us, are they coming because we are an appropriate place for them? And you mentioned that there are a lack of services out there. Um, so sometimes we are yeah. that port of call that people need. Um, but yeah, so bringing people through the door from outside of ACD so that they can see what we're about. Because if we're getting the students in that our provision is designed to meet, um, we're obviously that's easier than having outliers. We do have them and we'll work with them. Um, but then with the staff as well, it's, it's opening up those conversations. So what is it that they are struggling with or worried about? And then yesterday today support for them. But how can we look at that from a strategic point of view? So I know lots of schools will look at when things like parents' evenings are and it doesn't clash with report deadlines. And that's fine. But also, what are the conversations we're having? Are we threading actual conversations about well-being and mental health into policies and systems as we go along and that's okay. that's what i'm really focusing on at the moment okay claire that that's fantastic so i'm, I'm hearing a few things there and I can hear some of your some of the things you're talking there for about workload and some of the things that that you're you're talking about that you're actually doing um you alluded then to some of the students at your your fabulous setting and and they are great young people it it you know they they really are they're but, awesome <laughs> and yeah. so what the, the students you're working with and i think this is an important point actually and it's why your position as an alternative provision free school um set up to take the pupils take the students who aren't coping with or aren't set out for mainstream so yeah. that's your job isn't it but it's not your job necessarily to be a provision for SEND and it probably wasn't your expectation that you would be absolutely jam-packed full to the rafters so I wonder if part of what you're seeing or to what extent do you do you agree with this that part of what you're seeing about um pupils with students with SEND who weren't originally designated to be at your school but are and and thank you for looking yep. after and supporting them and sheer numbers 
been yeah. something that is saying something about this wider systemic problem and the reason that, that staff wellbeing is such a problem in, in so many settings. How, how does that sit? How do you think about that? No, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and part of it, I think, is because, like you said earlier, people, whether they're school leaders or wherever their role is within a school, they go in, nobody goes in it to make other people feel bad. Everyone goes into it because they want to support, they want to support young people and they want to support each other. So yeah. the more the services aren't there, the yeah. more people are having to work hard with less. Um, yeah you know for these young people so yeah it's that is definitely what we're seeing um i mean so we've no never had... in, in mainstream sorry claire no wonder in mainstream issues yeah. around behavior are more and more challenging issues around actually managing mm. so such a diverse range needs are so great and that that's yeah. part and creating a, a positive school culture around that is even more of a challenge it is and and what it does is it takes more and more of people's time and more and more of people's energy and then you have the conversation where someone will come to you know, our office door that I share with Rita who you know was on with us last week mm. um kind of have a chat have you got time yeah and my sort of response is I've got time for you and you know the laptop lid goes down we move away from the desk we go and we sit somewhere because more important than ever those people need to be heard and they need to feel listened to that's my coach hat coming in as well um so yeah. that's really that's really interesting so it, it would seem and we can we can perhaps give a bit of feedback to your your boss on this that when one of those recommendations is about appointing and training senior leaders to have some of those softer skills do you, do you think that listening, that that reflecting, that shutting your laptop lid, that that treating that that human being with absolute respect, and however busy you are, they need you at that time. Do you, that sounds like those softer skills, Claire. Oh, I don't like the word soft skills because it somehow <laughs> lessens. It somehow it has yeah. an implication that they're less, yeah. and they're really, really yeah. not. No. Really, really not. And and it that. That you know, you can take the ability to write a timetable, to analyse data, to you know some of yeah. those other skills that would be described as, as would they be described as hard skills? Ty writing a timetable is hard to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, but how valuable are those? And you're right, that whole pick of the word soft skills. Have we, have we, have we got a better definition than soft? I think I think you just that? named it valuable skills. You just named it valuable skills. <laughs> The valuable skills that they are really important yeah. and maybe there is a, a a word about wanting to share that and and there will be people if not listening now listening back later going no i'm i'm on an slt and and i have those valuable skills and i listen to people <laughs> i know i know they do they're, they're so so important aren't they so yeah. claire if you could talk us through then a few of the things that you have been have been doing since um it was april wasn't it that we spoke it was april yeah that was a long time ago yeah and, and um, if i might yeah. call you to be honest about anything that's worked or anything that you've learned or anything that you've mm. reshaped just just talk us through a few of those you know super strategies around well-being for your your team your employees um so when i started there was already a sort of in skeleton form a well-being charter 
which had been pulled together from some of the government initiatives around well-being, but it very much was a work in progress, shall we say, um, and it definitely needed tailoring to ACB as an alternative provision. So I used the fact that I had that first term to kind of figure out what's what, learn about the school, really have some, you know, build relationships with people, have the conversations, find out what it was that they wanted, what they didn't want, um, what impacted their well-being positively and negatively. And then I used that to design a bit of an inset session for September. And I also said to Paul, Buff, um, that I'd like to pull the inset schedule apart and make it into a rotor so that we could add in and pull out people at different times where it was relevant to their role because that was one of the things people were saying i don't want to sit in a room and listen to whatever else when it doesn't actually affect my role and that's not to say it's not important that they know but obviously you want them to buy in to what you're saying so that was a kind of two in one we did the rotor which people fed back that they really liked because it also meant they got little breaks throughout the day if they moved from room to room Oh my goodness, um, Claire yeah. as well, if I can just be put in, September yeah, training day, how many of those are so full on? And we're just not in, you're not in the, the not you're not in practice, you can't sit and do that no. amount of thinking when you've when you've been on a beach or out or doing, I know, you know, no. and all those sorts of things. My goodness, no, that's so hard. So you broke that up, so you'd got content yeah. but you'd also broken it up so it wasn't one size fits all you go to the bits yeah. that are right you move around do a bit it just feels better doesn't it yeah um that was that was well received and it also meant that by having the smaller groups um you could have much more of a productive conversation with people so with the well-being charter what do you want in it why is it in it and that was really important was understanding mm. the why because people, right. you know, people don't like being done to. It's the doing with, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So yeah. that was and that was really good. That's all that that point about culture, isn't it? As well, that that doing with that consult that consultative approach is is really really important. So so we've got yeah. the wellbeing charter. We've got the, the September inset. What next? Yeah. What came next? So, um, what next was looking at some of the staff induction processes because retention recruitment are okay. crazily difficult mm -hmm. um and i was when i started easter um i was given a login to a staff induction google classroom and told it was a pilot thing to see how it worked so i was okay. the guinea pig um yep. and <laughs> it was you know for me then to feedback how has it worked what we're going to do with it next and what we do now is we use that so when new staff come it means nothing gets missed because we've got it all as a sort of base document. Mm. It means we can tweak it to the different roles. And one of the things that I sort of added in, because we have lots of day-to-day -day procedures like the radio calls, um, which things like which doors can be open at which time, mm. um, I've actually built in with some of the new stuff that we do it, do some practice run-throughs. So it's not just you hold it and it's on a piece of paper. But right, let's go and put our radios on a different channel to everyone else so they're not listening to whatever you might say. It's only me and you. And we're in a room out the way. And we just go through the things that we know that people were getting a little bit anxious about. Yeah. So that when it comes to doing it for real, they've they've had a bit of a go. And that's that's been really good. Um okay. people have said that's been helpful. Um, what else? No, my coaching stuff. Um, so all of my 
people that I line manage very much use the coaching sort of approach when I'm doing their meetings but it's kind of got in my blood so I think pretty much any conversation I'm having with people and I'm trying to now expand that out so we have SLT and we have ELT which is our extended team so middle leaders so and I'm so trying to roll that out Right, that's, that sounds really, really interesting. So, Claire, what's different about a coaching approach to um, <laughs> meeting as opposed to a more traditional approach? It's asking people what they think and getting the solutions from them um, in a very short way of putting it. Okay. It's allowing them the time and the space to reflect on what they're doing, what they want and the direction where they want to go. Um, and not just being told you need to do this because someone up there has told you you need mm -hmm. to do it. Um, and actually just making that space and taking the time away from the busyness of a normal day and yeah. going and saying this time is your time. Um, and then coming out with some real sort of clear points that they have arrived at themselves. That's the difference. It's what's, what's come from them. And then they want to do it. So that sounds to me, and, and correct me if I've not quite got this correctly, Claire, from you. Oh, Claire, there's some feedback happening. Oh, sorry. I don't know why. I haven't moved. Okay. Yeah. No, it seems to have gone away now. So, Claire... <laughs> oh, it started again. <laughs> I don't know why. I do apologise. I can't hear anything. Okay, it could just be me then. I'll keep going. So, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's sounding to me like you've actually got meetings where people who come, other members of staff or other, other members of the team, actually do more of the talking and the leaders do some more of the listening and questioning and just helping to reframe so that people come and verbalise their own thoughts and ideas. Is that is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Because they're the ones doing the role and they know what they want to develop. So why would you not listen to them? No, that sounds absolutely spot on. That sounds really, really interesting and, and super. So, Claire, anything else that, that's going on and, and any reflections on what's worked, what's been well received or what you've reframed elsewhere? Um, yeah, one one sort of thing that I want to take forward is people understanding their own psychological processes, I suppose. So change is always going to happen and people find change hard. But And you get that resistance and you get the people, oh, I'm not, I don't want to do it. Why do we have to do it? I don't see the point. It was fine before. And actually, instead of just saying, well, we need to do it because... Well, actually, why are you finding it difficult? So I'm starting to put together some things that will go out probably in the new year um, when we've got a few people done things like their MHFA course. But actually, you know, we talk about the students and they need psychological safety, but so do the adults. And sameness is safety because you know what to expect. You, you can predict what will happen. But... Sameness and safety. And and how often yeah. do we as school leaders just get frustrated with people when they don't just jump in and love and, and embrace change? 
it's yeah. natural, isn't it, not to like change? So you've got got a process yeah. in place to help people through education and those continual, ever-changing landscapes. That's right, because I want people to understand and be able to go away and think, why am I struggling with this change? Rather than just going, I'm not doing it, or I don't like it because so-and-so said it. Um, but actually to go away and have the time to think and reflect on what is going on for them, you know, in their own heads, if you see what I mean. Um, that, so that, that's going to be one of my things for the January term. Excellent. So that's one of your next things. So what else? What else is next? What else is next? So we know there are gaps in services, massive gaps in services. Um, I wish I had a magic wand and I could fix them all, but I don't. However, we can start to look locally. And I've developed, this term got lots of our referring school senkos, head teachers, coming through the doors in the school day, because in the past it was a lot of come round after school when the students have gone. Um, our students can cope with it. They can, and that, that's been something for staff. That's a change. Yeah. Um, but then to start going, okay, you've come into us. What about us coming out to you? So that is that's a very long-term project, but I want to develop an ACB outreach offer so we can support the students whose schools are thinking of referring before they even get to us. And that's either so they don't have to come, not because we don't want them, but they may be able to cope in mainstream, or so that when they come to ACB, they're kind of ACB ready. Okay, and that sounds like um, a win-win because we know that teachers out in the mainstream school will be struggling with the behaviour of students who are potentially going to come to the ACB. So you're providing yeah. both support there and making it ready for the students when they come to you. That's right. And it will also help us with knowing who's out there, projections for types of need, staff training, all of those types of things so we can plan ahead a little bit more knowing what is potentially around the corner okay claire thank you so much for joining me this evening and for talking to us about all things well-being in your setting um and thank you for the great you're work you're doing for the well-being of those amazing students that you work with and for the well-being of your own team and also how that then positively impacts on the well-being of those those other teams those schools that are um going, are, are referring to you so thank you so much great to speak to you this evening that's right thank you for having me and speak to you soon Thank you. Really great to hear from Claire there and, and hear about some particular wellbeing strategies in her school. Time to go back to our sponsors and then on to the news. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. 
Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. We have previously reported on the issue of student accommodation, focusing on rising costs and declining quality of places to rent. Shortages of suitable housing have further added to problems for many. This week, the BBC featured reports of protests by some students at what they describe as appalling conditions and extortionate rents at a university-owned block of flats near the University of Northampton. According to the report, residents paid £153 a week for a single ensuite room, but there were complaints of a lack of running water. A university spokesman said it had no record of complaints. However, a spokesperson for the student group said the complaints were repeated year after year. The university further said that the rent issue had been resolved as students had paid an additional charge caused by an admin error. This has now been refunded. An apology has also been issued. Staying with higher education, BBC Newsnight reports on the rise of anti-Semitism at UK universities. The Union of Jewish Students said the spike was nothing like anything seen before. The report comes at a time when experts have also warned of rising reports of Islamophobic incidents. Groups who monitor hate crimes in the UK say the conflict is now being played out on university campuses nationwide. The government has provided £43 million to protect interfaith communities and said perpetrators of hate crime would face the full force of the law. The Guardian featured a report that schools in England are using Airbnb-style strategies to raise funds. The article says many are renting out every available space from classrooms to canteens. Renting out spaces for community use is not new, but there has been an increase in the innovative use of spaces. One primary school says it has rented out its light-filled white corridor for photo shoots whilst another offers a stationary double-decker bus, used as a classroom, to those who might want to make quirky films. Dedicated online platforms are helping schools make the most of their spaces beyond the obvious playing fields and main halls, with the founder of the Sharesy website saying they have even helped schools rent out their car parks for puppy training lessons. The line between education and commercialism is becoming increasingly blurred, as school leaders attempt to close the funding gap especially after a government said it had miscalculated funding announced in July, slashing £370 million from the announced budget. Schools Week feature issues being faced by specialist settings in the North East, as the area, like many others, 
sees significant increases in the numbers of children and young people with additional needs. This is in addition to an already large backlog of those needing additional support. The piece by Chris Zaraga, Director of Schools North East, describes a system that, by the halfway point of the autumn term, is already at capacity. Specialist and alternative provisions are struggling to cope. While Saraga accepts that this is a national problem, he points out that it is particularly bad in the North East, as in the 10-year period between 2012 and 2022, there was a 145.43% increase in the number of pupils with an EHCP being suspended from schools. He also argues that the solution cannot simply be more or larger specialist settings, but improve support for pupils within mainstream schools. Zaraga ends with a call for a strategic plan, more resources and expertise from across the sector to be listened to. In Northern Ireland schools, already dealing with action short of strike by teachers from five teaching unions due to issues over pay, could now face further disruption. The BBC reports that there will be strike action on the 16th of November by members of Unison, Unite, the GMB and NIPSA, who, between them, represent thousands of non-teaching staff. These include bus drivers, school catering staff, classroom assistants and cleaners. The strike action is over the failure to reform pay and cuts to the overall education budget. BBC News Northern Ireland has been told that the action will mean that many, if not all, schools will have to close. Finally, a primary school in Birmingham made the local news after it introduced a small farm which includes alpacas, goats and chickens. In spring, it also houses lambs needing to be hand-reared after being rejected by their mothers. St Michael's C of E Primary School is in one of Birmingham's most deprived wards. But the farm was introduced to help encourage children and the wider community to engage more broadly. Nearby residents have also created an allotment which is used by the school and the community. Children take part in looking after the plants and animals, although scooping up the poop remains a weekly task for the school's head teacher. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. No, I didn't want to play the end jingle then, but it wouldn't be my show, would it, if it was all slick and we went straight from the news straight back into talking. I thought I got the intro a bit too um, clear this evening, so hopefully things will work and everything will be okay now. And and, um, apologies, I think that was a spaniel bark midway through the news there that I heard. So one of Claire's um, well-being assistants um, there were joining in and just making a comment. Thank you to Joe Fox for that excellent news as well, which is always really, really beautifully delivered. So thank you. Um, so this evening's show, we started out by hearing about the teacher wellbeing index and me me talking through some of those findings around that and some of those really concerning statistics and and some of those suggestions then hearing about how that that matched and how that linked to um, the experience in Clare School and some of those um, specific actions that have been taken there and some of those strategies around wellbeing and now I wanted to finish up this last section um, with 
a really just sort of focus on what we can do to help ourselves as teachers and school leaders and working both at the moment in in a school a couple of days a week and and working quite closely with some ECTs and and spending some time in the classroom with them and doing doing a little bit of teaching this this really does bring home to me actually how important it is for all of us as as school teachers and as school leaders to look at look after ourselves as best we can in this really difficult sector so yes the big change needs to come from national change and, and we could do a whole show on on the inspection system or on funding or on how that that needs to be organized then there is the, the school leadership level with some of those softer skills some of those things around well-being and workload and all those sorts of things and then there are things that we can do for ourselves so um Claire referenced and I've, I've spoken before about uh, mental health first aid and, and mental health first aid training really really valuable and can provide an immense amount of support for individuals um back in May the mental health mental health first aid England put out a, a really strong piece of work um, around uh, called My Whole Self Day. And, and part of this was around having a look at My Whole Self MOT. And there's, a, there's an interesting infographic on My Whole Self MOT. And it's a way that we can start to, to talk ourselves through how we're feeling and how we can support ourselves and, and what we can do. So on that My Whole Self MOT, there are some clear things that we, we can ask ourselves. So I, I encourage you to, to join me in this and to, to have a think about this. So just asking yourself of a, of a morning and it, you know, it may well, maybe one thing asking yourself this at five past seven on a, on a Friday evening, it, it might be a different question around Monday morning or about Sunday afternoon, but just asking yourself, how do I feel today? Mentally? And physically, and just just having a look and thinking what might be affecting how I'm feeling mentally and physically. Thinking about what did I eat, what can I do, and then just asking ourselves. Then thinking about looking after our well-being. How did I sleep last night? Um, did I help myself to get a decent night's sleep? And there, there might be some things that we, we just can't do anything about. And I think some of those, those high stress situations that are causing people not to sleep well, we're not, we're not saying that it's anybody's, anybody's fault there. But when we look at what, what we can do to make our sleep better, reading rather than screens just before bed, all that type of thing about creating a routine consistent bedtimes is there anything we can do to get our sleep a bit better am i eating a balanced diet and drinking enough water again i know that's an easy an easy thing to think about when you are a busy school teacher or busy school leader and grabbing snacks and eating on the go but actually there's a lot of research there's a lot around there about eating a balanced diet eating, getting some decent nutrients, getting some proper food that's made as much as you can of, of single ingredients and then and putting that together yourself or to try and find a way of eating some proper food and, and drinking water and drinking water all through the day. Um, they also um, encourage you as this sort of whole self MOT. So we've got the ask yourself, how is my mental and physical health today? Then there's a bit on looking after 
my well-being, thinking about sleep, thinking about eating and thinking about what we can do, what we can do about taking exercise and giving ourselves suitable amounts of time off. We can also then ask ourselves some specific questions about our thoughts. So this is something that I've I've had back when I was a head teacher. I had quite a bit of help with this through through CBT. Actually looking at, and again I've revisited this as well through coaching, but looking at thoughts that we're having and seeing how are they serving us, how are they making us feel? Are they focusing on facts or are they assumptions? Is there a different way we could think about something? So are some of those thoughts that are going on, are they assumptions that we're not doing a good enough job, that we're not never going to have enough time, that we're never going to be right? Are they assumptions? Are they thoughts that are being unhelpful to us? And again, that whole sort of view about that, we might be able to take some time and think and challenge ourselves on that. Or that might be a time when we might call in somebody else to give us a little bit of help on that or we may maybe a time that actually if you can notice that you're having some unhelpful thoughts where can you get some help and some advice on that can you contact an employee assistance service can you contact any sort of staff well-being helpline what have you got is there someone at school or in your, your life somewhere where you can look and find a number to get somebody to talk to about that, about your thinking. So some of those basic things, checking in with yourself, asking yourself that question, how do I feel today? Honestly, is there anybody that you need to check in and ask those sorts of questions of as well? But certainly looking in the mirror, asking ourselves those questions. I'm then going to just come on to something that I tweeted about earlier this evening that is is strongly recommended and another thing that I've used and I've referenced a lot both um, with myself and just make sure other people are aware of it without moving into a therapeutic area, without any um, actual formal training. And that is the whole idea of stress container. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to our sponsors one more time and hope that this works reasonably smoothly. And then I'm going to come back and I'm actually going to have a look at the stress container. And I've posted the link to this on my Twitter at Maxine Coaching earlier today because I think this is such a super resource. But first of all, let's hear from our sponsors. And, and particularly, I've really enjoyed those books from John Cat Education. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment,
environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly and access actionable data that drives student success. So, onto the stress container. I'm now hoping I played all of those. Um, I'm pretty sure I did play all of those adverts. So, onto the stress container, excuse me, talking to myself. So, various ways you can have a think about this. And I think this is a really, really useful tool to use. So, if you go onto the Mental Health First Aid England website, it's a, a free resource for you to use there. I've, I've posted a link in my, my Twitter as well. So I do really like this. Or, you could really just simple this, make this much more simple. You could really strip it right back and just draw something really simple like a bucket with a small tap at the bottom. All right. So imagine that now. Imagine this stress container. So you could follow the online version. So we start off, we know that stress is, is, a nat is the body's natural response. Um, when, you, when the body senses danger, then we get that those feelings of stress and it is all about having the faster heartbeat it's all built to that fight and flight fight and flight um instinct we all experience stress it is it is natural to have a level of of stress at some times but too much stress left unchecked for too long can you know at, at best just interfere with our lives and at worst can make us really ill and it does cause us to be able to think less well. It like makes us less effective at work, which then can create a vicious cycle of feeling stressed, being less effective, feeling more stressed, and it just builds and gets worse and can create some pretty horrendous physical symptoms. And and this ongoing long-term stress is, is what led me to um, end up feeling that I had symptoms of burnout and, and having to take some time away going back a couple of years now. So it's really important that we think about how we manage our stress. And I think the stress container is a really helpful um, way of doing this. So think of a container that, that's, that's got water in it and has got some sort of tap. So the size of your stress container that you're going to draw or you're going to imagine reflects how vulnerable you are to stress. So some factors like your genes, past life experiences and your surrounding environment is going to impact how large or small your stress container is. So if you're vulnerable to stress, if you've already had a lot of stress in, in recent times, or if your genes aren't necessarily helping you when it comes to stress, or whether there are circumstances around you that, that just make it harder for you to cope with stress, you'll have a small stress container. And if you've got a small stress container, it, it will overflow more quickly compared to somebody who's got a larger stress container and a lower vulnerability to stress. So some of this is about our starting factors first. So have a think what you know about yourself, what you know about your past, what you know about your circumstances. Then we think about the common sources of stress. And these 
I picture as big raindrops. So it might be trauma. It might be some specific work-related things. It might be the behaviour of that year nine class. It might be that one particular parent that you dread seeing an email from. It, it could be anything that, that is around that. It could be about money. It could be some things that are outside work. It could be your health. It could be your family. It could be relationships. I see these as, as like big, big raindrops falling into your stress container. And depending on the size of your stress container as these relationships, trauma, money, they fill, they start to fill your stress container. And as stress flows into the container, the more stress we're under, the faster our stress container fills up. When our stress container, stress levels build up, the container overflows and issues develop. So we've probably all recognised what's happened to us when our stress container is overflowing. We all have our own stress signature. And some things, for me, it can be tearfulness. I can get anger and tearfulness. For others, irritability. Some people, and this is another one that I also get as well, indecision, inability to concentrate. Some other people have some more unhelpful um, stress signatures, so consuming more caffeine, alcohol or cigarettes as well. And other stress signatures, other signs that our stress container is overflowing can be frequent tiredness, headaches or some stomach upsets. So what's really helpful is for us to start to understand what are those signatures? How can we start to tell when our stress container is starting to overflow. And sometimes the better you know yourself, the better you learn to spot those signs just when the container is starting to brim over a little bit, the better we can start to take some action. And the action is the important thing. So if you think of your stress container, and we've already decided the size of it. We've already seen those, those big raindrops of the stresses falling into it. At the bottom of the stress container, and, and water flows downwards, um, you know, the, the, there'll be science teachers listening to this who are going to talk all things gravity and the way that water works. So at the bottom of that container, there is a tap. And the tap represents all of the things that we do or all the ways that we can choose to relieve stress. So for me, a huge stress reliever is about being active. If I can um, find time to take the dogs and myself out for a run, be active, get out there in the fresh air, that for me puts a tap on that stress container and those big water droplets that have gone in the top of the stress container can flush straight out and it stops it overflowing. Time for hobbies. I've spoken and I've blogged before about the, the many types of rest, active rest, social rest, spiritual rest, and actually doing things can be more effective for relieving stress than, than doing nothing at all. So taking time for hobbies. Talking to a friend, again, another helpful method. The better you know yourself and the better you know what your taps, your coping methods that can act as a tap to let stress out of the container, the better you can become at stopping that from overflowing. There are some unhelpful methods as well that people use, drinking to excess, overworking, bottling up feelings. And, you know, they can be very, very unhelpful. And what they won't do 
is they won't in the long term continue to act as that tap at the bottom. So whether you're thinking about this model in your mind, whether you're using the link with Mental Health First Aid England, thinking about picturing that method can be really, really helpful. So thinking about helpful coping methods that turn on the tap, that's empty your stress container, exercise, hobbies, talking to a friend, music, the arts, whatever it is, we're all different and we need to know what helps. Making time for those helpful activities, let stress flow out of the container. So even when there are more stress than usual going in, it doesn't overflow. And here's my thoughts specifically for, for school leaders. School leaders, you, we, as I was one, would probably think nothing of doing an activity that helps improve the school, like writing the school development plan and taking time out of school or time to work from home to do that. You'd probably think of doing nothing, think nothing of writing the self-evaluation form or a task like that. You might take that away and do that working from home. When we think about how pivotal school leaders are and school leaders' well-being is to the well-being and the culture of the whole school, what about taking some time actually as a really important activity to empty your stress container so that you can think better and have a much more positive impact on your school community? And what can you do for staff? What can you do for teachers? If teachers have got a way that school structures allow them some freedom, allow them some time, allow them, goodness, some PPA from home where they might also tie in a little bit of exercise so that they can think better, be more effective and empty that stress bucket. The more that we can factor this into ourselves and into our structures of our school, the better I think we can be for all of our well-being. So thank you so much for listening to my ramblings on well-being this evening. And thank you so much to Claire for joining in and sharing your really, really helpful um, tips and thoughts and views and, and stories from the Academy of Central Bedfordshire. That's been absolutely brilliant. And thank you. It's always a privilege to talk to you. So Thinking about well-being, thinking about those patterns, thinking about what that what that's saying about the actual really big struggles about working in schools today. Just take a minute because I always think that one thing and, and positive psychology proves this as being something really good as well. And, and there, this is proven. What little bit, as well as the stress bucket, what little bit of gratitude can you have? And I always think when it comes to Friday, however your week has been this week, if I can encourage you to think of something that has been great in your school, that's been that absolute privilege that makes you think, actually, when that happens, when students respond like that, when students make me laugh out loud like that, when students have... Uh, one of those moments where, oh my goodness, we've been spending ages plodding away at trying to learn something and finally there's that light bulb moment. Just take that and remember why we're here and why in spite of the things that I've said that have sounded a little bit doom and gloom this evening about well-being, why it remains and why those of us who are still here in the education world 
stay here and stay working with children and young people in in this challenging but fantastic job. So I'm going to leave you on that thought this evening. Thank you so much. Sean is late on later this evening at nine o'clock talking about teacher time. Where does it go on tonight's late show? That'll be a fantastic one. Must have a listen in for that and see how he gets on with that. So thank you again once more and I look forward to hearing you and seeing you or you hearing me and hopefully hearing from you again soon. Bye bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.